You're listening to. And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. Monday, September the 18th, 2017. This is episode 138 of the Collabcast. Um, my name is Marvin Yue, and I'm one of your usual hosts for this weekly look at pop culture in Asian America. As some of you may know, we have a huge event coming up in November, um, our Collaboration Empower Weekend, which includes our Collaboration Empower Creative Leadership Conference and Star Finale Showcase. And uh, things got a little busy last week, so we didn't really have time to record a new episode. But since it's been a while since our last Best Of show, uh, we thought this would be a good opportunity to take a look back at the past year and revisit some of our favorite segments. So for the next hour or so, please enjoy some classic Collabcast segments. Um, and for those of you new to the show, here's a good sample of some of the things you missed. First up is a clip from episode 105, Highs and Lows, with singer-songwriter Dia Frampton talking about overcoming challenges in her music career. Awesome. So what is a Dia album? Oh, man. <laughs> I guess it just reflects me at the moment and red was you know my last album was a big reflection of everything that i just gone through getting off the voice um it's very eclectic because i was i was in so many different writers rooms i was writing with you know i was in 10 sessions a week sometimes twice a day writing all these kinds of different songs and then they'd fly me to england or or london <laughs> Sounds so which is in england yeah it's in yeah england. It's but specifically london so they they flew me to london they flew me to nashville and new york and you know to get in with all the top writers and big producers and it was just this huge thing this machine and i i really enjoyed it i learned a lot there's still a lot of songs on red that i really love but it was definitely reflecting of that kind of chaotic oh i just got off this reality <laughs> tv show and i'm supposed to do this now and i'm on a major label and i want to make sure they're happy and am i happy i don't know i'm too tired to, to realize you know so right. there's just a lot going on and then i got dropped from that label and there was just a moment of, you know, what should I do now? I remember breaking down in my manager's backyard. We're really close. I've known him for 10 years. So um, I was just in, at his house. And we're very cool. We're like bros in a way. <laughs> um, you know, we don't really, we're very emotionless around each other, even though we're very close. It's just like, you good? You cool, bro? Yeah, I'm good. And so we were just having that moment. And I was like, <laughs> Oh. I just remember I was sitting on a stool and I was crying and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm getting older. I don't have a record label. Like I'm, you know, secondhand reality TV goop. No. no. I just, I just didn't know what to do. This and is when you need Minji to like be your, your totally basket of compliments. My to like, spirit animal. Yes. To boost your confidence. I was voting for you every hour. Oh, thank you. I was just so sad when you lost. I didn't have television at the time, so I, didn't, I watched YouTube. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it was just that, that total couldn't get any worse moment, and I just didn't know what to do. Right. And I have those still pretty often, but I'm better at covering it up and moving on 
And a way I describe it is, um, I think it's, I think it was Idris Elba who said, I can't remember, but he had an, I think it was him that he said, you know, when he's trying to metaphorically swim laps in a pool, you can't keep looking over at the person next to you or behind you to see where they are, which is, yeah, you just got to keep your head down and go. And that's, that's really what's what 2016, 2007, well, this beginning of this year is, is just my motto has been just keep your head down and keep moving forward because I constantly check myself and compare myself to the person yep. that's higher mm-hmm. and younger and skinnier or uh, you know um, okay first do <laughs> again but I'm the- Leslie Nope I'm just gonna be like first <laughs> of all you're a mermaid that's like irreplaceable I'm gonna go off uh, but I know exactly what you're talking and it's, it's for me it's just kind of drives me nuts about I'm not in the music industry as like a participant, but I observe and I'm around musicians all the time. It's just so maddening and I'm not even in it. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. And then you know how how ridiculous is it that I'm like, oh, music's really hard. I'm going to try acting as well. (laughs) That'll be easier. I'll just go through a few pilot seasons. Oh my gosh, acting has been such a whirlwind and damn, does it make you grow a thick skin. Um, now it's just, you know, I'm so used to failures and, and it's so funny. I was talking to my dad the other day and he was so nervous about an interview at a, uh, uh, what are they called? Car place. The the car place. (laughs) A place you sell cars. Car, a car slot? Car, car lot? Sales lot? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Dealer, dealership. Yeah, yeah that's dealership. the word. That's the word. <laughs> a dealership. We're all like, we're not what is Englishing that? well. Uh, we are not Englishing well. No, well, words. Where's the heart? It's been a while since I bought a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I was just like, Dad, you're almost 60 years old. Do you know how many times people say no to me? <laughs> I'm used to it. And he was just, you know, he's like, this person didn't want this car and they made fun of me because I didn't know what this kind of tire was or something and he's just starting out. And I said, Dad, you need to buckle up and just get over your ego and do it. And he quit four days later. Oh, He, I, whatever. Dad, come on. Come but on, man. If you're li- my dad actually does listen to a lot of things that I do. So, <laughs> he's Dad, this. come on. Um, but you know, music, music's an interesting ride. And, and I was talking to a fellow musician the other day when we got drinks and there's not a lot of money in it. It's just, you really have to love what you're doing. And I feel like Minji talking about the millennials before, I think people just, you know, Oh, we're going to put up a YouTube video and it's going to blow up and then we're going to make jillions and jillions of dollars. Yeah, We're going to go on tour all over Asia. It's it's this weird thing. And and, in reality, it's hard work. And I, I was speaking to a young 17 year old the other day my publisher wanted me to meet up with her and just give her advice and she said you know how do you how do you make a living in music and what are you doing and I was like well right now I work two jobs I work at a health food store (laughs) in Los Angeles um and I work for I work for a company doing social media for them actually I just got that job and I'm getting in so much trouble (laughs) why um because I'm supposed to kind of help run their tweeting I can't I won't say who it is but like run their Twitter page and Mm -hmm. their Instagram page and reply to everybody and do you know funny things and I feel like I always take it too far (laughs) they'll say something I'll be like that's what she said (laughs) and then you know uh... I, I get so many screenshots a day of Dia you can't 
can't say this. Dia, you can't say oh that. Oh my god. That's All right, I said something that I, I can see now on Twitter can be taken as anti-feminine and, or feminist and like against mm. women. And I'm just such a dweeb that I just said it. And and the person responded like you must be a an old man to be able. I was like I'm a woman. And I, <laughs> I totally didn't mean it that way. And I wish I had more than 127 <sighs> characters to tell you. But next up, a clip with Asian American actress Tamlin Tomita on episode 121, Millennial Love. I want to know like the backstory, of, like, mm-hmm. like to rewind because you were in so many for me, mm-hmm. so many iconic movies of like an Asian American mm-hmm. character or mm-hmm. Asian character, and like honestly, I still talk about Joy Luck Club today. How I want to do something that epic, yeah. like I want to make something that that is that meaningful and about family and about yeah. generations and yeah. all of that. Um, but like, I'm curious, just as a human and as an actress, like how did that all start when you? first started acting way back in the day was that like in the 80s you just you just like <laughs> rolled out of bed and were like i wanted to be an i, I love the origin story oh no 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 uh, long story short I, I was involved with nisei week here in, okay yeah, the japanese american festival that takes oh, place in august to nisei week? yeah really? so um when karate kid 2 was up on its feet the casting director carol jones called a former nisei week queen wow. helen funai who was queen in 1963 and helen funai brought me as well as all the other Nisei Week girls from years past up to 1983 and asked them if they would be interested in auditioning for Karate Kid and that's how I got in there. That's so amazing. And I was attending UCLA and I go, yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be my summer project. I'll go back to school <laughs> after. It's like, oh yeah. And then boom, it, it happened. And then I learned very quickly on my feet, you know, how to you know, stand your new mark. You know, Pat Morita, Nobu McCarthy, Danny Kamakona, Yuji Okamoto, Mark Hayashi, Joey Mishima. Those are all my big brothers, uncles, and auntie who all taught me what I know in terms of acting. And uh-huh. John Alvaldson, um, oh my God, Cliff, Clifford Coleman, you know, Johnny, uh, <laughs> Jim Crabe. There's so many people. Ralph, um, Ralph too. They were all very helpful. So both of you have so well. By the way, schooling, schooling on set because I didn't know anything, and I'm pretty sure I still don't know as much as I should. Oh, (laughs) shut up! But again, it's still learning. We won't tell. Still learning. You're natural. No one listens to this podcast. There are definitely (laughs) technical aspects to it. Like I feel like you, you don't. No one would ever think like that's the very first time this Um, this person has ever acted or been in front of a camera, which is like not. I've I've seen people who have been on camera multiple times. Like, you don't get it yet. Like, sorry, I'm being a dick, but you know. But I think it's amazing. That for me, I'm a very big believer in destiny and yeah. things happening for a reason. And so it's like that moment of you for whatever this, reason this journey fine, like this yeah. you started yeah. it was yeah. so happenstance of your yeah your it was it, week. it was happenstance I love that. yeah but then you know just to turn it around and just to be able to use whatever position uh, influence I have to serve. And that's always been the counter. It's yeah. like to balance because yes, I went through a head trip, you know, when I was younger, it's like, Oh my God, I'm the star of the world. Did you? <laughs> sure. It's because it's because you do, you, you basically get quote fluffed. It's like, and this mm. is the eighties. It's like, there's tons of money in the studios and mm. stuff now. And it was a different world back then. You got to travel and do PR tours, you know, uh. and be treated as, you know, miss, miss so-and-so. Did they make you do a lot of tea ceremonies? 
Uh, no, I didn't make. No, but I'd had to do a lot of dancing, and I'm uh. not a trained dancer at all. <laughs> Wait, and, so they? What do you mean? So they like? So they would, you know, I would be, you know, doing some kind of interview or something. Uh-huh. Could you? Would you do a little Japanese dance for us? Uh. You know, slash charm us, and I go. Uh. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. Did you yeah. make something up? Yeah. Well, that whole dance in Karate Kid Two is made up. Nice. Yeah, me and my mommy made it up on the uh-huh. fly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, don't worry, guys. This is like we super this. legit. This is authentic. Yeah, we got this. Don't we worry. Got this. Someone's like taking notes from your dance. Like this is authentic <laughs> Japanese dance. I'm like, let's and put it's it in such a different world too. now. If like I was exactly. asked to do that in yeah. any circle, I was like, excuse, excuse me, me. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that is my. So I think yeah. maybe all the press tours and all the things that you got to do because there were all the money in the studios now is like equivalent to all the Instagram likes. Yeah, maybe exactly. Exactly, and that's why mess I, you with know, your head a little bit. Yeah, so trying to jump on the whole Facebook, Twitter, Instagram train of doing your own things, and I go, oh wow, I guess <laughs> yeah. And but it's fun and it's new, and you, you, you uh, as the actor, you get to feel more in control. Mm-hmm. But then you're, there is pressure to go. I have to do this prettily, and then you do realize how much work it gets. You know, goes into making that perfect shot that's going to catch somebody's eye, right? You know? Or that perfect quote to right. accompany the the picture. The I think not that's, correlating picture. And but some people are so genius, and I go, "Oh my god, this, she's so great at this!" But it's funny because it came up in our women's panel yesterday, just kind mm. of like. Well, Christine brings that up because Christine's been in the YouTube universe yes. for so long, and just um, that's something that you know the millennial generation and younger and Gen Z they're growing up so inundated by it. It's just a part of normal life, which maybe then it doesn't affect them as deeply. But I think as humans, we are naturally always comparing and like, oh, mm-hmm. that person's life is so great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's super dangerous because it, it is all these perfect shots, yes. and it's all very posed and polished and. And edited many times, or just you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's plotted out, filtered, and styled, yeah, and yeah. filtered, and which is it's still very aesthetically pleasing to the eye to see, and sometimes motivational, but it's also super. I don't know. I'm, I just wish there could, super there, damaging. there could be some expose as to how much work goes into that perfect picture or that alluring picture, and it's, everybody is a learning process. You can yeah. do, you can do it. You just have to invest the time and the energy to learning how to do it, and if that's important to you, great. But otherwise, just realize it is all manual. Manufactured, please realize right. that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I feel less worried about like it, it can be stressful for like grown adults, but I do wonder like if I was twelve, twelve, and it I'm starts- just so I'm so glad that I didn't have Instagram when I was in middle school. <laughs> Our next clip comes from episode ninety-one. Life rules are comedy rules, where we talked to Will Choi, the founder of Asian AF. Almost a year ago, before Asian AF became a national sensation taking place um, both in LA and New York, Will shares about how he started getting interested in improv and is also joined by Drew Fude Singh, a member of the UCB Asian American Super Team, Voltron. Um, and it's, it's weird how it's all kind of this whole thing is full circle because actually Stephen Yun is the first Asian person I ever saw do long form improv. What? And, and he was uh, such a big influence to me to see someone who looked like me doing improv. I didn't know what long form improv was. And so when I first saw it, I was so like confused, but so amazed by what I was watching. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it was a, such a big influence, personal influence to me mm-hmm. to see him, and um, where did he do improv? He did. Uh, he originally did it in Chicago, oh, cool. um, Io, and Second City. Mm-hmm. But I saw him at 
the Iowa West. Mm. And awesome. it was in the Loft Theater. So if anyone knows that, it's just this really small, yeah. very... Cut my there. That's how many shows. Right, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> just like small, like humble space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing him do improv uh, in front of an audience of like two, mm-hmm. you know, like that was a weirdly cool experience for me to see. You were 50% and, of the audience. Right, yeah, exactly. And and it... it changed my life essentially it changed the trajectory of my life because i wasn't an actor at that time Mm -hmm. but to see him uh do improv and to see him on tv like i was like holy crap if he can do that like i think i can do that too and so at least you want to give it a shot yeah give it a shot because it's inspiring right and so you know fast forward a few years later and here uh here i am creating this show that's featuring a bunch of asian americans like my hope for this show is that whoever's in the audience can get that same exact feeling that I experienced yeah. however many oh, years ago. Oh, I guarantee ago. it has already. I'm sure yeah. it has. I, mean, I hope, yeah, I really hope so. I mean, even when you guys came, so you guys came to our show in, in June, mm-hmm. and that was the first time July. a lot of, July? <laughs> was it July? July. <laughs> Lost all track of time. I know, me too. Time has no meaning anymore. I know. Um, for a lot of our audience, that was the first time they've seen long form improv mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, it was such a, I had so many people just come up to me and say, that was that was hilarious. Like mm-hmm. they've never seen anything like that first. Because so to them, like, we gave imp- ourselves a little pat on the back. <laughs> to them, improv yes. is like like short form games, like yeah. cool lines, anyways. Right. And that's what up. we were. We were right? we all doing it. We were like backstage, we're like I hope they get this. Will they get this? Like, if they haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And I was so yeah. it was great that they yeah. Just, so and then good. and then part of it is also the fact that you guys being also like of the community were able to tap into like those. Those little inside jokes that you know other people probably would go over their heads before mm-hmm. for the Asian American community it hits like a like a bricks. You know? yeah. Yes! yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so great to have like the audience that really kind of got all of the jokes and all the little yeah. Nuances yeah. That was the best part. I remember during the John Cho uh, monologue, Armando said, you know, making jokes about bringing like because my family told me this. We, we packed up a backpack full of like lunch mm-hmm. to bring mm-hmm. to Disneyland. Of course, that's right. what John Cho in his monologue yeah. talked about his mother <laughs> packing Kimba. a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so we yeah because we have a because Rococo is a pretty diverse team, we could yeah. all blow that out in ways that were specific to our own. Exactly. And, and it was so good. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. would uh, this person carry? What would this person bring? Exactly. It, so it, yeah, it just it was yeah it was a lot of fun. You're the so one that great. was asking about the tikka masala, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yes. I had a ziploc bag of tikka masala. Yeah. Which is just yeah. I don't know. I just I have a lot of fun playing with people who all have different perspectives mm-hmm. and backgrounds. Yeah, that's and that's the like that's what is missing in a lot of main like quote unquote mainstream media is just these yeah. perspectives, mm-hmm. and it's getting you know? the same yeah. is the problem. And I think there's this weird assumption. I don't know if you guys have felt it, but I think there's a weird assumption in Hollywood and everywhere that uh, the public at large, the majority of people, cannot relate to a story unless it's from the perspective of a straight white male character usually right. like mm-hmm. otherwise mm-hmm. oh we can't relate to it if it's an Asian guy what like <laughs> even uh, as a female like I even was as a female it's like it's still fringy to them even yeah. though that's half the human race yeah. no, when Ghostbusters came out this year uh, no review could talk about it without being like oh it's a female driven comedy right. which yeah. it is but it's also a comedy that stars people who represent half the human race it's right. not fringe it's not like <laughs> that's that's insane. Insane. you know what I mean and there's this weird assumption that one thing is mainstream, and if you're not that, everything else is. You're kind of just your story is like you're 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 a supporting cast mm-hmm. member, which is what I mean. And I've talked about this multiple times about comedy because as as a female, I mean, this is not even talking about being a minority ethnicity wise, but just as a female, I grew up feeling like women aren't funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of like the resounding message that's that's kind of spread. And so when I watched SNL later on, and I saw 
these women just be hilarious and just kill it week after week. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, they are funny. And yeah. then it kind of just, again, like subconsciously or consciously, it goes like, if they're funny, like, yeah, women in general, like it just kind of establishes, yeah, women are funny. Exactly. Yeah. And you're stupid if you don't get that. Yeah. And then it empowers other women to be like, hey, you know what? It'd be really cool to like go to an improv school yeah. and try yeah. it out. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And beforehand, they might have really never even considered it because they're like, well, I'm exactly. not as funny. I'm not like... Yeah. And if you want to consider empowering women, uh, please vote for Trump this election. Nobody <laughs> respects women more than, than nobody. Um, but that's the thing. Like improv, yeah. you, don't even, you don't even need to be <laughs> funny to yeah. be good at improv because it's it's not about teaching you how to be Teamwork. funny. It's teaching you how to work with others mm-hmm. to like yeah. find the, fun. the funny. To the funny is the story. One, the funny is the one part you cannot teach. Like either yeah. you have that or not. And you don't uh, – yeah, there's a lot of – there's improvisers who don't have funny but they're, they're amazing actors. You can yeah. play with them. They're great. Yeah. But generally, the funny is the part that you can't really teach. It's either a right. spark that can grow or it's not there. And I feel like what improv does, good training, good good training of any kind of comedic training, is it helps you to discipline that funny into mm-hmm. something that yeah. you can And grow confidence it. in it. And you know what I'm saying? To, like, to identify me. Yeah, yeah. And be like, find your right. funny. Are you, yeah. are you the punchline or are you the, That's what I was gonna the setup? Ask you. Right? What are, are your you? guys' <laughs> things? Because I noticed when I did 101 that I, I tended to be the gift giver. Right. I would always like someone would have Which their cool. setup yeah. and I would like come insert something and then it would get laughed and yeah. like, yay, bye. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it keeps shifting as, you're, as you keep right. growing in your career. Billy Merritt, who's a UCB uh, OG kind of kind of dude from the old days, uh, still around. But I mean, he was around the founding of the theater. Has a thing where he he describes improvisers as either pirates, robots, or ninjas. Where <laughs> pirates are the kind who like swing into a scene and they're just they're confident playing from the gut. You know what I mean? Right. Robots are like analytical and work everything out and don't make moves until they've computed. Like, okay, this is okay. Great, he's done this. So I'll <laughs> and feed then this, this is how I help. <laughs> and this is and ninjas yeah. are the ones who almost like what you were saying with setups who make seamless invisible moves that the audience doesn't see but makes the whole show way better like they're setting people up and the audience doesn't know the audience is laughing at the other person's reaction but really it's the ninja doing all the secret Interesting. work and most people are a hybrid of of them but dominant usually something is like stronger it's stronger that's really typically. cool and i think that's yeah. true i think people uh yeah people def- mm-hmm. default to and it I mean, changes you can, throughout yeah. your career you i can, feel like yeah. you can find that those um those archetypes i guess in like any team really you know you have the guy you're like okay he's the powerpoint guy he's gonna create the slides he's the guy who's gonna create the content and then that's the guy who's gonna talk right he's good a good it. team is right. a mix exactly a yeah, good team exactly. is a mix of different voices and different energies yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly it's so true it's like a it's like a high group improv is life is all we're saying yeah, yeah. it is life rules are comedy rules are <laughs> art rules, right good art it mirrors yeah. life good it movies right. say something about life i think right In episode 89, The Asian American Beat, we welcome guest Jeff Yang. Um, currently the co-host of The Cutler's Bruce, along with Phil, You Angry Asian Man. Jeff Yang is also the father of Hudson Yang, who plays Eddie Huang on Fresh Off the Boat, and a renowned journalist um, covering Asian American culture for decades. Right? So this was really triggering for me. <laughs> <laughs> because um, as that guy, you know, as the Asian guy, uh, at at the Asian desk in, in every place I've been, <laughs> I, 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 of course, have, have recognized that it can be limiting sometimes to be perceived as the, the go-to person on Asian American or Asian stuff. I remember, you know, back when people actually used to mail stuff to people, you know, as opposed to email it, uh, my, you know, my mailbox was always full of everything that everybody else received that had anything related to Asianness, <laughs> right? They're right. like, oh, this Send is for you. Jeff. 
Yeah, totally. It's like, you know, Balinese shadow puppets. Yes, Jeff will like this. And, <laughs> it, you know, initially, and I was a very young cultural critic, a very young, very young uh, journalist. Uh, at, at first, I was like infuriated because like I wasn't interested in 75% of the stuff. Uh, it, it, it's the equivalent of sort of standing in an elevator uh, with, you know, let's say a group of people who are not Asian. And just as you're going up in the elevator, they turn to each other and say, hey, let's have Chinese food uh, for lunch today or something. <laughs> And you just absolutely know that it's because they were reminded of Asianness because you were there. So, you know, my, my Asian presence, my one person who's Asian presence in the newsroom meant that uh, people were kind of being reminded of the fact that there was Asianness present in America, but they were also offloading all of it to me. And what I realized was that I was irritated because 75% of the stuff was completely uninteresting to me and irrelevant. But 25% of the stuff was actually super interesting and very relevant and, more importantly, not being covered by anybody else. It was so irrelevant to the white and black and Hispanic people in the uh, the newsroom who were not me that they were foisting off on me. And it would never be covered if somebody didn't pick up that that torch and say, you know what? I will write about this Balinese Shadow Puppet Festival. Not that, <laughs> but you know, something like that. Right. Uh, so it came down to me to this sense of like, all right, if you're a journalist and you're a member of a minority uh, group of any sort, you know, you can either treat your your sense of difference and uniqueness as a liability and suppress it so that you can be just like everybody else and try to erase uh, that sense of uh, exceptionalism uh, or or isolation in some ways that embracing who you are uh, can do, or you can treat it as like a superpower. And you can say, <laughs> you know what, I'm the one who's going to find these stories because you don't care, and I do, right? And so that's what I ended up doing, you know? I mean, in for A Magazine, the whole magazine was basically about that. Uh, for the writing I, I've done ever since, I've written about things beyond Asian America, but I, I've never actually felt that the uh, ability to write about Asian or Asian American stuff or, or the remit to write about it has stopped me from writing about other things. Yeah. But I've also never regretted the fact that uh, I, I have chosen that as kind of a beat to embrace. Well, you had your column at the Wall Street Journal, right? The Tao Jones. Was that Wall Street yeah. Journal? or Wall Street Journal. And yeah. then before that, I had a column in, in the San Francisco Chronicle uh, on, on their online platform called Asian Pop, right. which was you know, very similar. And I remember that that was for a long time one of like you would see your articles pop up anytime like something happens. Yeah, you, know, you would be like the guy to write that think piece or that article. And I'm sure you know like reading because you're you're a really good writer too. So I'm sure reading that stuff inspired like a lot of people to like this is something that we can write about. And like it's kind of like how when Minji and I started this podcast and just talking through you know a lot of the All early issues, feelings. but kind of. Figuring out that there's a voice here that you know that people are people do relate to, and you know whenever we find like during my trip to Seattle, I met like two or three people who actually listened to the podcast mm -hmm. um, who brought it up like, "Oh, you're the guy from the collab kiss." I'm like, "Awesome!" You don't, no, no one, no one really listens <laughs> no one to this. No one listens dude. to us. No, I've had that too. Yeah, and that was amazing. And and the thing I think Jeff, like, I really appreciate that voice because I've personally struggled with it. There are times where I get really frustrated with the state of Asian-ness, state of Asian America, right? And that's something that I, 
I have actually pushed myself to use, to use CollabCast as a therapy session for me to be honest about those feelings. Because like we said, it's it's I'm sick of the idea that we cannot be three-dimensional people, that we have to portray this very perfect image. And if we don't, then suddenly we're doing a disservice to Asian America. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and so... I, I appreciate that because I've really struggled with that. And it's really nice to hear somebody who's clearly gone through the gauntlet and by, you know, in so many more <laughs> different forms and for, through, you know, a lot more blatant racism and just, you know, different. I feel a lot of my issues now are feel so nuanced and so like I'm making a bigger deal than it, it might be. But I've wanted to turn in my Asian card. I'm just like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to. Like, you know, for various reasons where, you know, where I just feel discouraged for X, Y, Z. I'm just like, I'm tired. I'm and then tired. always pull you back. And then I get pulled back and I was like, well, we need to register to vote. And then Mulan happens. And then Mulan. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's who I am. And I, can, I will never run away from that. But part of who I am is struggling with that issue of representation identity. I don't feel right saying that I'm representing all of Asian America because that's Mm. absolutely not true. But then you'll have that imposed on you. Like Jeff saying, everyone will start emailing you and start saying, (laughs) you know all the things about that. And then you get mad like, well, why didn't they ask my opinion about this? (laughs) So here's the thing, right? Uh, I feel like the story of our our creative community, especially, uh, has been a really interesting one uh, as far as the evolution of what we think is important or what we think is is a thing we should be fighting for, right? Um, you know, in the very beginning, we we're just fighting to get jobs, you know? We we're just fighting to actually get a foot in the door. And then we started talking about inclusion, right? We didn't just want to get any jobs. We wanted to actually be at the table for, like, real jobs, you know, not the crappy fourth waiter from the left, right? right. Or, you know, uh, whatever. And then we started talking about, you know, not just uh, inclusion, but you know, representation, being at the forefront, being in the spotlight, being at the center. And now I kind of feel like the real battle that we should be fighting for is about agency. It's about Mm. being able to make the choices, whether it's because we're controlling the content, you know, creating the stories, or whether it's because we choose where and how we want to be represented. And sometimes those representations are going to be big, sometimes small, sometimes funny, sometimes heroic, sometimes villainous, and sometimes angelic, right? But as long as we have the same range of motion that other, that other talent or other voices have, then it's okay. The biggest issue we've always faced is that the reason why we complain about representation is because there's only like two, you know? There's like three, two or three uh, Asian American roles that have any kind of prominence. And if, you know, two of those three go to white people <laughs> or, uh, you know, get written in ways that, that make a mockery of the performer or are cast with, you know, talent from overseas, then all of a sudden Asian Americans are erased, right? Uh, but if we had a thousand roles or if we had roles that we had some say in developing and framing and not just acting in or, or inhabiting, then a lot of that's, that conversation becomes less uh, headachy and problematic. Right. Yeah. 
Those of you who have been with us for a while know that this um, earlier this year, Minji and I went to Park City, Utah for the 2017 Sundance Film Festival. Uh, we were helping out our friend Irene Cho, um, producer daily recap podcast, The Daily Buzz, uh, for the local NPR affiliate there. And while we were there, we recorded a live episode of the Collabcast at festival headquarters um, with with director Roseanne Yang from New Zealand, who was there to showcase her short, Do No Harm. Here's a clip from the episode 104, Welcome to the Sundance. But uh, since we're at Sundance, we can also talk about our Sundance experience. I mean, yeah, it's been kind of a whirlwind. I would love to, I want to hear about your Sundance experience. Is this your first time here? Yeah, this is my first time here. Awesome. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been a whirlwind. Um, so... Uh, so it's been amazing because um, I've I've always wanted to make action films. I've, if if I could if I could suddenly live my dream, I would be making Terminator Two and Aliens and La Femme Nikita and uh, okay. you know. Okay, I feel yeah. like there's not enough of those movies made these days. Yeah, right? yeah. With like, there's a real dearth of really strong female but kick-ass characters who are actually multifaceted as well mm. and that men dig as well like that like I'm not this isn't some <laughs> feminist I mean I'm a feminist but I'm, it's not some anti-man agenda you know I yeah. want to make an action movie that men can enjoy but yeah. also women oh know? everyone was enjoying your short last night Yay. we were sitting behind the three bros who yeah. like commented on every <laughs> aspect of every short and yours is first and they're fans oh yay I think oh, it's, bro, it's set awesome. the tone I think very well like okay this is what we're in for yeah, yeah, yeah midnight yeah. shorts yeah. yeah you're here you're here at midnight that's awesome yeah. so is this your first well like I'm guessing it, this was like incredibly well done thank so you then, was that your first one that you did like full blown action or is like I just didn't know where in that journey is that you're, like, <laughs> yeah yeah, it's my it's my first um, properly funded action uh, piece. That's so uh, cool. But I've tried to make action many times before with varying degrees of success, mostly terrible. Um, well, I really like the taxi driver uh, parody you guys did. Oh my god, for you watched Friday that? Night Bites. Friday Night Bites. Yeah, yeah, yeah Friday yeah. Night Bites. I'm yeah. gonna watch all the videos. It's pretty good. Yeah, thank you, man. It's I, like taxi driver except Uber driver. <laughs> nice. And I I loved making that episode, mm. and I and I was worried because. We, we, we're on we're on um, broadcast television's website, <laughs> and one of the programmers said to me, he he, he said, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know if the, our audience really likes, you know, we're not getting great numbers on your <laughs> thing, and like when I watched the Uber driver episode, yeah, I know that was a rough cut, but like I was a bit like, what the fuck, what is what what oh. what is this? And I was like, have you seen Taxi Driver? Yeah, and I don't know if he had, and I. I was like, if it's, but the thing is, you st it still works even if you haven't seen Taxi Driver. Hopefully, knowing Taxi Driver gives you an extra. Oh yeah, like I also definitely recognize like all the call, all yeah, the callbacks yeah. to it. Yeah, and I think I watched that like yeah. many, many moons ago, and I wouldn't have no reference. Yeah, it's. So I need to rewatch that, and then I will. Also <laughs> no, 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 you don't. You don't. Okay, I don't have to. You don't. But, yeah, to. if I want the extra nuggets. Yeah, yeah. But that movie is as relevant, you know, today yeah. as it was then about you know the psychotic American. Spirit, you know, mm. like there's something I love really that coming wrong. from. It's so fascinating to hear it from like a New Zealander, <laughs> the psychotic American spirit. I'm like, that's, you're so right, and then how, also let me know. Let me know your interpretation. <laughs> well, it's true. It's not all American. Like I have, I have a lust for violence, as you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 most people. Um, but yeah. So uh, back to your original question. This was my first foray into properly funded action, and um, and, and first it's that's experience. Like, yeah, that's amazing. It's yeah, amazing, and um, and so it's been an amazing whirlwind because I. Been people have been going crazy about the short um, and want to see more, and now I feel like <laughs> right. That's how it goes. Like the short so goes well. Another the, one so when's your feature coming 
out. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, someone, uh, listeners, if any of you have $10 million spare Ooh, 10 and million you'll give what me else? creative control, yeah. then, uh, then th- that movie they will have come that out. much faith in you. Just watch a short and you're like, you're like okay, totally. Yeah, $10 million, you're going to make your money back and then some. <laughs> we were talking about this before we started recording, but like the experience of being like, a filmmaker at Sundance is a very different experience than like just an attendee kind of there to experience the films because you're or probably taking a lot of yeah. meetings and like yeah yeah it's it, all meetings all right. meetings okay. meetings and partying which isn't really partying it's it's networking, networking which is really I hate I it's hate like it play play meetings anyone. or we want actually, some things for each other let's figure meeting. out if we really want to give them to each other though. exactly yeah. exactly do we do we align. You know, who, who but when you find you? the right people, I think it can be a really great experience. You just find someone that clicks, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I admire your company. I admire your work. Yay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an evolving process, and I think the fact that we're sitting here talking about this in Utah is yeah. exhibit A of that. That a lot of people in the filmmaker I'm just shocked at how many of my friends who are serious filmmakers, and this is no judgment on them, but I, I would do anything to get them here. Yeah, I want them all here to network with the people and to see the films that are that are considered to be groundbreaking, that are getting all the press, that has Netflix giving off, offering them millions of dollars, like hey, we want to buy you or Amazon or whoever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's part of the business and that's part of getting the amplification, not only just making your thing in a vacuum yeah, yeah, to get yeah. it out there, but that's still a novel thing yeah. that we're still working. And I think through. people like us, like part of the Asian diaspora, like. Asian New Zealand, Asian Kiwi, is that the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Kiwi yeah. Asian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiwi Asian, um, Asian American. Like, I, I, that's always weird. Like, we say Asian American, but everywhere else, is like, it comes like British Asian, Kiwi Asian. Is it Canadian Asian? Canadian. Anyways, <laughs> stop making up alternative. Um, but like, you no, know, us being here, being creatives, like we're like we're the people who can bring that multicultural story to the people. Yeah. Right. Because we live it. We, yeah. We are intersectional in our own way. It's, yeah. We need to play the game though, right? It's playing the game and we it's need being to, creative. Yeah. We need to be in those writer's rooms. We need to be those executives, you know, and, and yeah. not, not like, com- not completely rock the boat so that people freak the shit out, but, um, right. but how do you welcome it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this can be profitable, guys. As soon as we make money of this stuff, yeah. everyone will be doing it. Which is what I th- I've just, again, props to you because, again, your your short film was about a, a, a doctor, but a strong woman character. I don't know how much you don't want me to spoil it. No, it's fine. Go but for it. it's just, you know, and she is Asian. She's Asian and she's awesome and she's like, she does but the she's, kung fu. And she's also vulnerable and she's badass and she's all the things. And again, Maybe for that room, we're at a point where that's going to be irrelevant. And then people don't care. They're just like, what's the story about? Yeah, yeah. But that's that room, yeah. right? And then it starts with that room, though. Do you know what I'm saying? We right. can't, We can't, like, some one person can look at it and be like, well, it's just because you're at Sundance. Because everybody there's, like, a crazy, you know, artsy-fartsy hippie who, mm-hmm. like, loves that stuff. Yeah. But it starts there. And, like, once you're, and even if, say, that we're, like, the tiny minority in that room. That, I mean, you 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 had a kick-ass short film in a room full of white people. Like, yeah. They're going to keep raving about it, too, just because it was a great film. Yeah. And... Yeah. Want to see more. We want to see, like... And they won't feel as, yeah. as threatened. <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, let's make another one with that one. Every once in a while, we have a great group of interns helping us out at Collaboration Headquarters. And last year, we had a great set of summer interns, Brianna Kim and Aubrey Magalong, who served as pinch hitter guests for episode 70, Fellow Young People. Um, why were they called to fill in? Um, we'll let Minji explain that in this clip. 
I'm one of your co-hosts, Marvin Yui, along with our co-host, Minji Chang. What up, what up, what up? How's it going? I did not expect to be hosting this week. <laughs> Puts your here I am. right in the wound. Jet lag as fuck. Well. He's still asleep. And <laughs> we can get into that. Well, let's, let's introduce our guest yes, today. Yes, let's. Today is the intern cast. We have two of our collaboration yes. interns, Brianna Kim. Hello. Aubrey Magalang. Oh, screw up my last name. <laughs> oh, how do you say it? Magalang. Magalang. Ooh. I never, I just call her intern. Right. So. Intern Aubrey. <laughs> never really bothered because, you know, interns, whatever. We get coffee. <laughs> Lies. But yeah, Only here we I get boba. am. <laughs> just flew back from my week in Taiwan and I had tasked Minji go ahead and record this week's podcast she did on your own and she did partially but, <laughs> but then the podcast krampus came down krampus and stole what is that it's the reverse santa okay there's like santa and there's krampus have you seen that movie i did not that's, that's exactly what happened though yeah. oh, he comes no. and steals presents from the kids and also murders them i guess i don't oh, know i guess okay let's not get dark so it got murdered <laughs> um it got stolen but yeah we were trying to figure out how it happened and it's a, it's a mystery right? because she did push record this time. It but. did record for about two minutes. And then it vanished. And then it faded Something away. Went wrong. How did you like, like not know that? It, I didn't know. It, like I was watching the thing and the levels were still going up and like there's no indication to me that it was going wrong. Oh my God. That's like me. Minji's face just got darker just now. So, I know. So apologies Sorry. to uh, the guest that Minji painstakingly got to record. A for effort. Yeah. I'm so sorry to them. Yay. I'm so proud. That podcast exists <laughs> in your memories only. It was a great... Like, who was the guest? It was David Choi and Sean Mira. <gasps> what? <laughs> See, I can't. Okay, what? This is not the a shame has amplified. Yesterday. It's okay. No, no it's, they're going to come back. No. It's going to be yeah, great. It's fine. We, we, got, we, we got the interns this time, so it's, you know... No, this Same is gonna thing. be great. No, but like definitely, I feel like we were like just like the second choice. No, for this. no definitely, we're a second choice for this. <laughs> it's but kind of like so here, it's like, like the so thing that you never knew you always wanted, kind of thing. No, it's the best. And no, it's good because we we're always saying we need to have more younger perspectives on this thing. And you guys are young too. Yeah, I know. We're but. still millennials, right? <laughs> yes, so, technically. So there you go. Yeah, we are very young. Yeah, we are on fleek as hell. Yeah. We're fleeking. There you go. Fleeking. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say fleek Fleek's as hell. And, and, <laughs> Only heard on fleek. We are totally YOLO swag. And <laughs> Good job. Can someone make him stop? Okay, we're going to move on. Turn, so, so glad turn that. up this podcast. Turn up for what? <laughs> so the um, podcast that got lost, I think we could definitely recreate it. We did go, we like deep dove and I think Sean and David are totally, they're, they're amazing and they're deep and insightful and eloquent. So I think whenever they come back, we'll definitely recapture that because I still <laughs> oh, remember no. everything. Um, it's okay. It happens. But it was like one of those days. I don't know. That's just my table topic. Yeah. For those of you who want to eventually do podcasts, just realize that you'll probably lose one in every like 20 We've actually oh, lost. How we lost that two many in the last month? Oh, we've lost three so far. Oh yeah. Let's yeah. not keep. Let Let's not. We're not going <laughs> to. But that's part of the experience too. I feel like. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, the first Production two. To mess up the first two were user times. error. Mm-hmm. This last one was like a ghost came and stole it. Yeah, like, oh, so lit- it just lit- literally, literally, vanished. a ghost came and stole this podcast. <laughs> it oh, no. vanished. It just fades <laughs> away, and I was like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah. I was so. Confused. And the things the. the the file is still an hour long. But it's like but not it's like playing. an hour of silence. Of silence. 
Oh my god. See, so it was recording. Yeah, anyway. Mm. Let's not fixate on it. Production. Someone's arm probably hit some knob somewhere. <laughs> Let's move on. Mm. I don't know. If we <laughs> can't figure that out, then I can't ever All figure right. out well, how to not do it. Oh, we'll get off. She's so bad. <laughs> We're like throwing her under it was the a bus. Bad day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad day. <laughs> but each and every week, we start the podcast off with a pop culture roundtable where we go around Ooh. the table and talk about what's on our minds in the world of pop culture and. I think we can all agree that fashion is hard, um, especially for me. And in episode 82 with guest Phil Wang of Wang Fu Productions, um, that is very, very apparent. Um, here is a clip from episode 82, Singles and Cargo Shorts. And I'd like to start off this week. So we kind of missed the ball here. We're going to come in a little bit late. But for the past month. Is it a month? The month of August. Since the beginning of August. There's oh been God. the internet has been raging on this very important issue. It's the new damn Daniel. Yeah. It has nothing <laughs> to do with politics. <laughs> nothing to do with who's running for president. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, and this is news to me, as a um user of this product, <laughs> oh, no. cargo shorts are not stylish. Bro, <laughs> that should not be news to you. <laughs> oh, well, first of all. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. When was the last time you went to buy shorts? See, like, I feel like everyone that doesn't know that cargo shorts are not in anymore has not gone to buy shorts in a very long time. The article would, would disagree because they're saying, well, why are they still sold in abundance? Right, like, okay. Oh. So here's a couple. So background on this story um, before we jump straight it's in. Sears <laughs> or Coles. Um, <laughs> Wall Street Journal our, um, author, Nicole Hong, Asian-American lady, um, wrote this um, editorial, let's say, about the unsexiness she probably met of the cargo shorts. guys that were wearing cargo shorts and was yeah, very upset. I think the, uh, the title is called, Nice Cargo Shorts, You're Sleeping on the Couch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it opened with an anecdote about a man recounting how it was strange that once he got married, his cargo started shorts started disappearing. Yeah, I, I've, I've talked to several girls about this topic, and yeah, they no one likes cargo shorts anymore. They're an abomination. So here's my thing. All right, for a variety, of reasons, I will give you that cargo shorts are not stylish because okay, I'm I'm not blind. Mm-hmm. I know how they look on people, but they are damn Do useful. You? Right, they so are damn useful as a, as a utility factor. <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent. Cargo shorts should exist. Are you a paratrooper? <laughs> And, you know, depending on your um, occupation, having those extra big pockets on the side can be very useful. Um, but you're carrying saddlebags. <laughs> I was looking through my wardrobe and Who I only have you? one pair of shorts that are not cargo shorts. Oh. He wears them quite frequently, and I have offered multiple times, like, Marvin, let's go shopping. Is that why you say that? There's a couple guys in our office that yeah. wear cargo shorts, too. Maybe, possibly, yeah. Well, I think just the, it's, it's the entire look of bagginess has been out of style Absolutely. for a few years. So I think that, I, I remember when I decided, to, okay, I need to stop wearing baggy <laughs> shorts. Slim fit or, yeah, or, like, or just like, my shorts like don't have to go to my shins anymore. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that—that that happened like a few years ago, um, and I, I exposed my knees to the world. I think that's just How part of growing up. Um, you know what? They really enjoyed it. Okay. I actually think. <laughs> Did they you know, burn easily? You like? know, <laughs> there was a little rawness for the first few <laughs> it weeks. It was tender. Um, the funny thing is, like, I think like 
Because I remember, like, as a kid, and you see, like, dad shorts, you know, like, they've always been short. And you're just like, why, do, why would anyone want to do that? Why would anyone want to wear shorts like that? <laughs> and then the thing is, like, now maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm like, man, like, bigger clothes is just, like, heavier. And, like, it's, like it gets in it's the not way. It's flattering. And it's not even, like, like I mean, flattering is definitely a thing. But, like, sometimes, like, just having so much cloth on you is just <laughs> not comfortable. Here's my thing, though, right? I think... Okay, this is probably just me not being with the times of style because I still think shorts should go like that's yes that's, over the knee. That's that's right? you not being with style. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Get out of the. the I have gotten rid of all my jorts. I haven't had a jort in maybe jean shorts, denim years. shorts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Do you have mandals? What are mandals? The man sandals. Are they like flip flops? Because like flip flops. No, flip flops are always like. I lived like, eight no. years mandals. in San Diego. Like no, like the it's part of me now. The Velcros. I think. Do you ever wear those? Please say no. I oh, yeah, like the Tevas. I don't even know what the like the Velcro, like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. with the straps. Yeah, yeah. No, I had those in, like, um, when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the only time that it's acceptable. I, I'll, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll I mean, I have slippers. Like the Adidas ones. Yeah. I mean, are those man? Those are total. No, those no, like, are like those are like soccer. Those are like yeah, yeah. Like I need to go to the garage. I don't yeah. want to put on yeah. shoes or socks. You know. I'll say this. Like I think going back to this article about how like this woman was really upset or these guys or whatever <laughs> like i i want to i want to defend you know uh guys and just who or just people in general you can wear whatever you want right of course um and it, obviously it is a very this is all being said in with humor <laughs> yes. okay we're not really judging people or whatever but i think i think generally like guys aren't it's interesting guys generally don't get the magnifying glass turned back on them when it comes to style and fashion totally true i think Guys are always judging girls when they see them like, oh, like if they're cute or not, all these physical attributes, all these material attributes. And we expect them to be at a certain level for us to be attracted to them. Correct. Yeah. To be visually the, appealing. To be visually appealing and like make us want to talk to you or date you or whatever. Yeah. But then we guys never turn the lens back on themselves and be like, wait, am I attractive enough for girls to want to be with me? I think they do that with like physical attributes with like height with like muscles, muscles and yeah, yeah. but right. like fashion wise absolutely not like the way that no i'm guys saying like can, guys, guys won't judge themselves yeah yeah yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah absolutely right. so and i feel like it's interesting i feel like it's i honestly like i'm this is me defending girls i actually feel like it's not fair because i think a lot of guys could and this is obviously totally superficial <laughs> but what is what is attraction other than superficial qualities at the in the first like 30 seconds right, right. so i think that like it's it's unfair for us to be offended if like a girl if a girl tells us they don't like the way we dress we'd be like what that's not fair because because <laughs> we, we've already judged the girl that is like or we we judge women I feel all the like time. most dudes have like the opposite effect it's like well i'm gonna double down and buy even more cargo shorts <laughs> exactly you know? what is happening they wanna, right now they want to make a statement They're so like, i'm sure well, that this, you, yeah, this article has done wonders for the cargo shorts right. so the um, yeah their, 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 the reaction to this the the, the internet I, it's not even outrage. I feel like it's a lot, just a lot of people having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, um, has been hilarious. Topic. It's um, a funny topic to suddenly become this like it might, rampage. It, it, it might even become like like meta in a sense, where it's like <laughs> like it becomes like I'm wearing these because I know it's like a joke. Yeah, I know? shall offend thee. Right, and maybe, I shall assault thee with maybe, my wardrobe. Maybe, maybe this will back. spur the fashion industry to make stylish cargo. Well, I feel Damn. like I had I had seen like cargo like slim slimmer fit like cargo shorts like in Asia like whenever I was traveling out there made by Versace. Um, and uh, I, don't, I feel like you know like you know how, like kids are wearing like dad hats now like yeah, or, like, yeah, or yeah. like not like right. that's just what's in now. That's it's the, the same thing. it's the same thing. Like maybe it's like it started off like what are you guys wearing and then it's like oh this is actually kind of cool. You know? That's dope. Yeah, 
I'm kind of glad that dad hats are coming back. Me too. Because I've always, I've never stopped <laughs> bending <laughs> my bill no, this, of my hat. You know what? Fashion is helping. Like guys yeah. like you, it, like it helps you because you just stayed with one thing and you I waited. Never for, gave it up. You I waited never, for the cycle to come. I back never to went you. to the flat bill. I just kept, you know, no. like bending my bills. Now, no, no. now that it's coming back, I'm like, yes. Three years, Phil. I've been like, let's go shopping, Mark. <laughs> you should, you should take up on that. It might, it might change your life. You never know. Well, my well, girlfriend has also girlfriend. started. Well, oh, so now yeah, I'm. I showed I, her the I, article, and she has also. <laughs> she didn't give me a definite answer whether or not she would See, hide my cargo back. shorts, but I got your back. Oh, well, she's. You know, I'm, I'm sure she loves you very much, <laughs> and I'm just being very understanding. I'm just very glad that dad hats. Are a thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now I can like now you can be like I'm fashionable. Yeah, I've been. You know what? I'm like on fleek. I was so late that I was early. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? Dude, I have pictures from like so high hard. school where I like had like where I was wearing like back then they weren't called dad hats they were just called hats. <laughs> Now and they have like, a name. They have a label. You know why, you know why the flat bill was like with the, all the douchey dudes? Dad were. bods right, so. need to go away though. You know, that just you know why they're called dad hats is because like the kids growing up like that like they were, they were, are, are you, are, you, are, you are, are you saying that we're the dad now? Yeah, basically we're, we're the age of dad. Mark, oh, if we were casting of director single by 30, office, we're going to talk could, about this more. We could, <laughs> right. we could cast you as the young father. We've spent way too much time on. They should be cargo pants. Cargo shorts. See how this cargo pants. What about cargo pants? I have had cargo pants. I have had cute ass cargo pants. Let me tell you. Oh, 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 when Minji wants to wear cargo <laughs> pockets, it's cute. Exactly. It's true. All right. Pair that with a BB shirt. I do believe her. Though. She is better at style than yeah. I am. But I have noticed that Marginally. my um, need for cargo pants or shorts have gone down since I've started using um, Amer- satchels. <laughs> oh, oh, I like how you say satchel when really, really though. Satchels. Channeling the hangover, Zach Galifianakis. I have a really nice Revolutionized nice I got from Muji. Mm. From where? Muji. Oh, okay. Mm. Don't they have I, good I, pens there? They, they do. I actually pens. have a, a. Yeah, I use their pens a lot. Yeah. Anyways, all right, Minji, what's, 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 the, on what's your the age range of like this podcast? Because some people are going to be like, who are these old people from? <laughs> You've already aged up half our audience. <laughs> it's fine. Then they get a nice little throwback of okay. like, oh my God, when Phil was young. Please make <laughs> you this, are very young. 30 is, 30s are very young still, people. Come on. Single by 30. Please tell me. Finally, our last clip of this um, special clip show episode is from episode 115, Talking Comedy and Andy Mack with guest Leland Bowden. Leland Bowden is not only a hilarious member of the UCB Asian American Super Team Voltron, but she also stars on the hit Disney family show Andy Mack. In this clip, we talk to Leland about the benefits of learning improv skills. You have to choose your battles, too. Yeah, you know, um, but like... Yeah, it, especially being an actress, I feel like, and and also probably it might be different. The the actress being a minority actress might be you know uh, different too, but like you're constantly, I feel like being like, hey, can you be in my project as a as a prop? You know, I, I'm fine doing. I don't I don't even know this person, but like I remember I was helping my friend with his thesis. You know, so I was in his project, and then someone else in that his who was working on their thesis emailed me, and he's like, "I'd really love you for this project," and it was a like the part was um, a guy who was having a fight with his girlfriend during the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> and then she leaves and becomes a zombie, and so the whole movie is like her like. Um, being a zombie on the outside, but like her clothes kind of fall off a little bit, and then like he gets turned on by that. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, this uh, is no, like I've never felt so good saying 
absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm like, glad that you said that. And it's just like a, a lot of young writers too, is because we're fed the society too, and I feel like it is changing a lot because of things like this. Yeah. Um, but we're fed the society where it's it's like it's you know your your man probably Caucasian is like your neutral, you know, and that's and that's you yeah. know where you can see the most levels. And then like if you're a different gender or if you're a different race or uh, you know uh, sexual orientation, then you know um, you have stories too, but you know like they're they're auxiliary yeah you know and, and well, people write become much more narrow for you yeah you know and and uh and like i like i have that mindset too you know when i was doing improv too there were less women mm-hmm. and so a part of my mentality was like oh i'm the girl on that team you know that's me i i was brainwashed you know instead of being like this is wrong, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I like I shouldn't be proud to be quote the girl on this team. I should be questioning why am I the only girl or the only one of two girls on this team, right? You know, um, and so it's like we all have to correct, you know, like this brainwashing that we've been fed. Yeah, and I really do believe that improv is like gives you the skills to do that. It gives you skills, and it was funny because in my UC, my first one, I actually had to leave my first UCB one hundred and one class because my grandfather passed away in the middle of it. Oh, um, and it was the intensive, and like that was fine. But I, what I noticed even in that first week, um, just like. You have to observe and you have to listen and pay attention. Mm-hmm. And what I was, my lens is that I noticed we had, it was about 60% guys, 40% uh, um, girls. And mm-hmm. we had the scenes where like we're working up to the multi-person scenes or whatever. Just calling it out. But like the guys would take over the scene. Mm-hmm. And like I was like, let her talk. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like, <laughs> this is a team scene that right now. That is a such a real problem. Yeah. And I was getting really annoyed. And again, it's then like checking myself, like, am I making something out of nothing? And I was like, no, this is an observable, empirical data driven <laughs> fact that guy's talking about 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. Shut up, listen and let her talk. Cause mm-hmm. she's like, not even that, that was an annoyance to me. Cause I was like, she wasn't, she's paying to be in this class too. Mofo. Yeah. She's yeah. trying to build her skill. Let her build. <laughs> so my, my naive hope is that that gets better as you get more. Advanced. It has even to the next. Oh. Yeah. I, I think that like, um, I think that, we have seen it. I mean, when I started at uh, UCB, th- there was like Eugene Cordero representing. He's great. I love him. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Ann Maddox and Leslie Cena. I can think of three people on that stage who were uh, Asian American. Mm-hmm. And I mean, th- to we, like, we didn't even have the numbers to create a Voltron. There were there, 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 like there weren't enough people to like to have uh, to be able to have a team that was. Um, all Asian American, right. and now like we have these sold out shows and stuff like that, and they're still like they're still. I mean, ideally, uh, you want the most diverse theater possible. I, ideally, you want like the most diverse cast possible because like that creates for the best comedy. I feel like you know when you get you just get the most amount of stories, right. you get the most amount of backgrounds, you get the highest level of comedy, in my opinion. Yeah, um, but like. But yeah, and the the teams were um, different in gender too. Where it's like they're all the teams were when I was watching Harold Knight were majority men, um, and so I, I'm trying to think if there were some that were all men. And it's just because it was it was a smaller theater, and it's like you hire your friends, 
you yeah. know, yeah. And, and like not that the theater hires anybody, but it's like <laughs> if you're if you're a white man, you probably have identified with people who are like you, other white men, and you'll probably be performing with those people. If you're an Asian American female, you probably identify with people who are <laughs> like you, and you're going to be bringing those people. And so I think that what we're seeing is is that like now that we have more voices, we get more people who are um, in a position to be bringing on other people. Yeah. And that's, that's like, not to bring everything back to a promo for my own show. <laughs> but it's no, no, like, please do, but, away. but like, that's what's like so cool. I can't take credit because I didn't create Andy Mack, but I'm so proud to be cast in this show that's like Asian American females first. Yeah. You know, and it's like that, like this show I'm hoping is, is, uh, like another chisel, you yeah. know, in, in breaking that wall of, of being, of, of that whole, um, structure that we have where it's like, you're, you usually going to see like this this type of person on screen i'm hoping that like this show brings like is just another yeah um another thing that helps break that dam <laughs> i was reading that the original character of andy mag was even written to be any specific ethnicity it's just um, peyton came and killed her audition yeah because beca- she's lovely and because of that the whole entire family became a multicultural family yes yeah, yeah, like uh, we all owe Peyton for our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Peyton. Thank you, Peyton. Um, yeah, and and that's that's I feel like that's a really pure form of color fi- color yeah. blind casting. It yeah. was like truly whoever's gonna get it. and like with and it's just so exciting because like you know I've been around for a little bit you know and. I've done a lot of smaller projects before I was able to audition for TV projects and stuff. And there is a lot of um, questions that come up when you cast the biracial family. A lot of people just won't do it because it's harder. Yeah. You know, quote, quote unquote harder. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, and it's just not something that you see. And it's not something you see as being very normal. I remember watching the end of Bridesmaids um, and you see Maya Rudolph's parents. And, and like, I remember being like startled by it. (laughs) Like, because, and, and not because like it was, like quote unbelievable like yeah. I like but it's just I just realized I'd never see like biracial parents on TV I never see that yeah. you know yeah. and and so like the fact that it's like oh it's a normal thing and we're not going to make it a weird thing it's just it's a multicultural family yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think is is huge were you cast in a lot of those I mean were you sought and that'll do it for this episode 138 of the Clubcast. I hope you enjoyed this walk down memory lane. We'll be bringing you some new content again next week for episode 139. And there's a lot to talk about, including um, the Emmys that just happened. Um, so stay tuned for our belated hot takes. The Collabcast, of course, is a part of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment, discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community. You can learn more about our programs um, by going to our website, www.collaboration.org. Also, a heads up that tickets and registrations are now on sale for Empower Week in 2017. It's going to be a series of three events taking place from Friday, November 3rd to Sunday, November 5th, including a comedy night and social on Friday, November 3rd, um, our Empower Creative Leadership Conference on November 4th, and the Collaboration Star Finale Showcase on November 5th. It's all taking place in Little Tokyo, um, Los Angeles. For more information and how to get tickets, check out the website empower.collaboration.org. And if you're interested, um, buy your tickets now. Early bird prices are in effect for the next few weeks. And for those of you interested in coming but would like some financial assistance, for the first time, we are offering scholarships um, to attend the Empower Weekend. Um, 
Just click on the link on the website to be taken to our application and let us know why you deserve free registrations and tickets to the Collaboration Empower Weekend events. Again, the website for more information is empower.collaboration.org. Don't forget, you can always reach us at the Collabcast by emailing us at podcast at collaboration.org. And don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again to Tim Atlas for Yusuf Hassan Dai for this month's intro and outro. And before we go, the Collabcast, of course, is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian American community. If you like our show, check out First of All. It's the new podcast hosted by my Collabcast co-host, Minchi Chang, providing a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, love, and modern culture. So if you need an extra dose of Minji in your life, uh, please check it out. You can find and subscribe to First of All and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks again for listening to the Collabcast, and we'll see you all next week. 